podcast ain't play nobody. Bill, did you watch the Oscars? I did not. Okay, I got sucked in. Oh, um, I, it, it was the in the worst way possible, which is our stupid, stupid coworkers were tweeting about something, and I pulled up the YouTube TV and I just fell into the rabbit hole. Um, in doing so, I made a major PAPN related on brand discovery. Do you know what that is? Oh, I do not. We haven't talked about this. Do you know the film that won Best Picture? Uh, no. You just fell. Wow. Okay. I know. I I get really I get better at tuning specific things out every single year. Uh, wow. I didn't even realize I didn't know that one. I don't know that. Okay. It's a film called The Shape of Water, and it was directed oh, okay. by right, right. Right. Yeah. It was directed okay. by Guillermo del Toro, and he has done among other things Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Hellboy, incredible incredibly visual uh director compositions beautiful likes to work with monsters really really interesting director i don't care about any of that all right in this movie this woman sort of a representation of the underprivileged in society bangs a fish guy i don't really know how that relates to the metaphor but she bangs a fish guy i haven't seen it yet but I'm not gonna in banging said fish guy. She falls in love with fish man. It's like a it's like a fairy tale, you know. Shout out to Troy McClure. But <laughs> the dude, this has a point. The dude in the fish costume essentially carries the film, right? I mean, I know he didn't get nominated. His name's Doug Jones. All right, but he has to. He's like a. I mean, I guess the word is anthropomorphic, you know, it's like a man. Oh, right, fish. Yeah. The guy who's been in like 418 different, like monster movies, Doug Jones. Yes. Former mass, former mascot on field ball state university. Well, there you go. Quote from the ball state daily. Uh, Jones's acting roots go all the way back to ball state where he enrolled in 1978 <laughs> as a TCOM major and a theater minor. I don't know what TCOM is. While classes were helpful, it was his experiences performing with the university mime troupe. I bet. Sure. Okay. And as Charlie Cardinal, that are most memorable, quote from Jones, that was my first time ever in a suit of some sort, taking on a part that wasn't human and making it animated, he said of the mascot job. This guy's been in a ton of stuff, by the way. He has 161 actor credits. He was, so he has worked with Del Toro for a long time because he was um, Sapien in Hellboy. I liked Hellboy a lot. I was a comic book nerd. Um, I did not realize he was also the, um, if you saw the really bad sequel to the first Fox version of the Fantastic Four, the one with Silver Surfer in it, he played Silver Surfer. He was sort of the body actor for Silver Surfer. Um, And he's been in a bunch of other stuff. He was in uh, maybe the most famous episode of Buffy. Go on. That's how uh, called Hush, where nobody talks the entire. Mm, like, uh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, monsters like suck out everybody's voices, or however mm-hmm. it is, and that's how I knew him because uh, because of who I'm married to. I've seen every Buffy episode at least twice. Here's my point. What is more PAPN than a man responsible for a film winning Best Picture? Because he is the fish sex haver. Okay. Mid major G five mascot Bill. <laughs> he, he is not uh, listed as the fish sex haver on IMDb, by the way. Well, he is a giant fish, and they bang. I am told by multiple reliable sources. All right, hmm. 
Bill, this is podcast ain't played nobody. It's college football, marriage of numbers and words. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38 Godfrey. I'm a reporter of some such. Occasionally, I write things when I'm not trapped in the never-ending process that is Project X. Bill Connolly is the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytics system. He's written multiple books. He is currently on his year-long slog to preview the college football season for you before we reach Labor Day weekend. 20, jaunt. 2018. Year-long jaunt. Jaunt, yeah, well... I hope you go as slow as humanly possible because the concept of, of football coming back so soon scares me right now. And I know yeah, yeah, no, I, people I, I are going to get mad for me saying that, okay? Because this is a football podcast and it is very much March. But I, I've had the same thought. Like, crap, we're already two months into the offseason. I've got a lot of stuff to right? do. It's terrifying, isn't it? Um, Bill, we're going to talk. Amphibian Man, by the way. Amphibian Man is how he is listed on IMDb. So really not that far Fish, off. Fish, sex, Haver. I am not lying. Okay. We're going to talk Conference USA. I'm going to try and call it CUSA as much as possible to piss off like the two psychotic Louisiana tech zealots that listen to this program. Um, we're going to talk. Um, you are at what point in your Conference USA journey? I uh, have one team remaining in the Conference USA journey. That would be FAU. Put up Southern Miss today. All right. Southern Miss. Uh, and I have not. I, it's not an officially a Southern Miss preview until I've heard back from both Landon Howell, our friends, uh, my internet friends, Landon Howell, yeah. and of course Sunday morning quarterback Matt Hinton. Uh, the only two Southern Miss grads I believe I know. Um, Southern Miss, the only other school that I covered other than my alma mater um, before leaving newspaper journalism in the night screaming. Mad gibberish. Um, so you, scr- you screamed all the way to the internet. Shout out to Hattiesburg. Bill, we're going to talk about Conference USA. We're going to take your questions, as always. Um, what would you like to do first? If I had an air horn, I would I would just go ahead and sound it as loud as possible. Do you want me to back up and do have. it? Okay. Like, or do you, want me to, like, do you want me to just yell it like the... Hang on. Uh, we have realignment to talk about. Oh God! You didn't tell me what the air horn was for. Yeah, well, if I if I did, you wouldn't have done that, and so I had to. Um, from the what newspaper is this to give proper credit? Oh, that's to an Espionation story, San Diego Tribune. Um, the San Diego Tribune has reported this week or the last couple of weeks that uh, talks between the mountain West and Gonzaga are reasonably far down the road. Nothing's certain. Um, and mountain West says the, the, the commissioner went out of his way to say they've talked to like six teams and nothing is, is certain. Nothing's a given and, and whatnot. Uh, but they have talked to Gonzaga and usually it sounds like this communication process was a little, different but usually by the time we've heard that they've had talks especially at the lower level if it's the sec different story or whatever well no actually if we hear the sec's had talks with somebody they've already joined um but i if i had to place a sum of money on something i would put it on gonzaga being in the mountain west next year so as our uh matt brown wrote this morning that would royally screw byu uh because Without Gonzaga, uh, the second most important sport, BYU, of course, it, you know they're independent in football and they're in the West Coast Conference for everything else. Uh, so the top sport that w- with which they are associated with the West Coast Conference is basically dependent on Gonzaga for strength. Uh, St. Mary's is good. I love St. Mary's. love Randy Bennett and his Australian pipeline. It's just his roster is just a bunch of Australian dudes, uh, and it's always good. Um, but basically, BYU... 
like th- from a money perspective and from a, a competition perspective would really be hurting uh, even more than than currently if Gonzaga were to leave for the Mountain West. So among other things that that could mm-hmm. cause, and and again, this, we start to point, this is a few dominoes down the, the, the track here. Um, that could cause BYU to seriously consider going back to the Mountain West. Um now, th- th- that, that creates another set of dominoes. Are we talking about for everything but football? Would the Mountain West actually be agreeable to that? I think they could probably at this point say, no, screw you, football or nothing. Um, but I can put a pin in that do, right there. Come you, have to go fo- you, have, you have to go everything. If you're the Mountain West, given the way that you guys broke up the first time, the aspirations BYU had and, and the reality that they're facing at least through probably another-ish decade kind of, um, you have to take them back whole hog. Or right. I, I guess not take the them reason, back, but demand that they come back whole hog, I should say. Right. The only reason they wouldn't is because odd numbers are a big pain in the butt. And so if you get, you know, 14 or whatever for basketball right. and, and baseball and all the other sports and blah, 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 um, then maybe that's. But I think at this point, the Mountain West would be in a very good uh, leverage situation to basically say, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We'll go, we'll go get. Um, you know, St. Mary's or Grand Canyon University or whatever. We don't need uh, just a, a, another non-football person. So our team. So then, okay. So let's let's go down that road a little further. So let's say BYU comes back to football. That means they have 13 football programs because Gonzaga doesn't have a football program, which means they got to add somebody else now. Um, and then it starts to get a little weird because who do you add? I just checked. Point. Gonzaga um, does not have a football team, and don't get don't get on me in the comments for not knowing that because I cover football, so I wouldn't know if I don't know anything about basketball. Uh, they last fielded a team in 1941. Yes, and I, you know, like everybody else, I'm sure they had a couple good teams in there, but. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, we, we end up going down this road uh, where if this happens, then this has to happen. And if this, then this. Uh, yesterday in the San Diego Union Tribune, Mark Ziegler, uh, one of their reporters, kind of walked through, put a really nice nerdy article together about all the different scenarios and why this could happen or this or whatever. Um, and he, he, he says, you know, they, OK, great. They've talked to five other schools. Um, besides Gonzaga or besides Gonzaga and BYU, however they're counting that. Um, He said if he had to guess, this reporter said that if he had to guess, the speculation would be they they could talk to UTEP, they could talk to New Mexico State, they could talk to Rice. uh, And and, and in terms of basketball only, Grand Canyon University really is, I think they're one of those, are are they one of those uh, for-profit universities? I believe so. Judging um, by the slickness of and, the commercials you know, I see on basic cable, I would yeah, say that they are. Right. <laughs> so, but that, but they're also ambitious. And so, um, they would probably, you know, among other things, as he pointed out, they'd probably pay. They'd probably pay to, to get into the Mountain West. They'd probably pay to get in the West Coast Conference because they're in the WAC right now. And the WAC's just a big mess for basketball. Um, Last I checked, didn't the WAC have like Chicago or something in it? But um, or Chicago's something. So anyway, um, this does open up an interesting can of worms because let's say, let's say, okay, great, BYU comes back and they have to add somebody to Mm -hmm. the football docket. Who do you add? In FBS, or do you not? Because I mean, I, at this point, you know, Idaho obviously um, I, not going to be an option. You probably don't suck anybody else in from the Big Sky. So who do you add? I think you have to. You have to look at North Dakota State. You yeah. would not consider Idaho. I don't think that's going to happen at yep. all with with the the <laughs> the amount of influence that Boise has in the Western 
in in the, in the Mountain West. Right. Yeah, no, no, in all, all, of, in all of Northwest football right now. Um, I think it's a short list. North Dakota State, Wichita State, maybe if they want to get serious about football. That's about it. Remember, geography is yes. is not a mandate or or an aspiration. It's a requirement when you're talking about the Mountain West because logistics are, I mean, they're paramount. And at the same time, New Mexico State probably gets screwed in this equation unless, well, I mean, unless that you know, with I don't know, unless you know, New Mexico's own vote it doesn't count right now because of what they're going through in football. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the situation. They they would stomp their feet big time about New Mexico State. I jokingly in the San Diego Tribune article on Twitter, I jokingly responded. He he said, "UTEP New Mexico Rice." I'll have, quote, flailing football programs looking for a change of scenery. I, I jokingly drew massive exception to New Mexico State, uh, burgeoning powerhouse New Mexico State uh, being flailing. Um, but, yes, they would certainly accept an invitation. I assume they wouldn't get one. But, yeah, I mean, unless you're talking about, like, a, a powerhouse um, or, hell, uh, you know, go up, to, go up to 16 and add new, uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and, and, like, South Dakota or something. I don't know. Um but there's no money in that. Yeah. There's no money in that whatsoever. North Dakota state makes sense. If they yep. want it to make sense, that's the biggest thing here. There's, you know, North Dakota state's living a good life right now. Obviously we have cautionary tales about FBS transition. We've covered that extensively on our show, but I think that the bison would be probably well served to transition up. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they've done it for so long. They've proven that they're not just it's not just a coach who's who's led them to this success. The program no, support the long, Wyoming. Right. The long term sustainability uh, that they have proven, um, the support they've given the program. Yeah, they've got all the the kind of the infrastructure that you need to succeed. Um but yeah, that's kind of uh uh, an interesting it is funny though like new mexico state they can't think they have a serious shot because of new mexico and so like they really are just basically trying to stick up in fbs as long as possible in case it ha- they have to be aiming for conference usa i would think you would assume that there's a um, there's a i mean look they're aiming for wherever they can catch on okay. right and i yeah. mean but the, but the issue there is that you know I think Conference USA is a better fit in terms of competition. It's obviously Conference USA throws geography to the wind, but um, <laughs> they would at least get a, a rivalry in UTEP if UTEP's interested in doing something like that. Because Las Cruces, for those of you who don't know, is just straight up the road from yep. from El Paso. Um, this is not one of those shot heard around the world moments. Obviously, you know, it's not Texas launches cable network or anything like that, but (laughs) it would represent to me, um, a pretty interesting moment in that basically BYU has to sort of give up that this idea that you can become a second Notre Dame is, is ultimately proven false. And we have picked apart their scheduling tactics more than probably any other program in college football the last couple of years because they were the big experiment. You know, they were the, there was no other program that could come close to pulling this off. And it turns out they probably can't do it either, or at least they can't sustain it. Um, you know, they had the one made the, the one mega year, which is now two seasons ago where they had just scheduled this amazing murderers row that had they gone undefeated, you would have had to put BYU in the playoff. It was really, really good. Um, but then there's just been so many other years where, 
because everyone else of merit is in conference play for pretty much half the year, they kind of fall off a cliff in scheduling. It's really, really hard. You're like, you are Notre Dame or you are not. And because they aspire to be power five, they, I mean, I really think that the door closed on BYU the moment that the, the big 12 kind of hiccuped and and stuttered and said, we're not going to expand. And the door may have closed on the Big 12 with that, too, but we'll see. It's um, very interesting. I mean, I, and that's still the one school potentially that where where everything could they could flip it around and say, hey, you know what? We are we, we still we're going to take Houston. We're going to take BYU, USF, UCF or whatever. But it just feels yeah. like as days go by with the uncertainty of television contracts and what a, what a quote unquote television contract will constitute in the next 30 years. <laughs> I, I, you just don't see the mega deals where you need to bring in more schools and more markets, you know, a day the of the big Rutgers 12 does have an appealing is over. <laughs> the, um, the other thing the big 12 has going for them right now, um, is that I, I bet, you know, the optimistic ones within that conference are, are at least seeing, hey, maybe we can outlast the past Pac-12. Pac-12 is pretty pissed at the moment. Uh, the, the, uh, or there, there is a good amount of dissatisfaction within the Pac-12 right. at least. And so maybe you can look at that and say, hey, all we got to do is wait. Uh, maybe they employ before we it's do. Possible. But uh, 2016, but yeah, so anyway. BYU, this was the one that, that theoretically the resume puts you in. You ready? Um, and you, God, all right, this is 2016. This is not the last, not this past season. So your recall is going to be strong here. So just right. in your head, I'll go through the schedule and then you tell me how everyone finished and we figure out whether or not a one loss BYU could have made the playoff on this. You ready? Arizona, Utah, UCLA, West Virginia, um, Toledo, Michigan state, Mississippi state, Boise state, Cincinnati, Southern Utah, UMass, Utah state. Yes. You think they could have done not only, I think, would they have, um, let's see, 2016. So that was, um, let's see, OU was a two-loss Big 12 champion at that point. The four seed, uh, man, my Come recall on, is going I... nuts at the moment. Um, Alabama, Washington. Washington, yeah. yes. So, um, but no, I, like, so basically they would have had to beat out Washington. I think undefeated, I think that would have been really, really close because they would have had wins over Arizona, Utah, there, there would have been three and zero in the Pac-12, one and zero in the um, uh, SEC, one and zero in the Big Twelve, one and zero in the Big Ten. Plus, they would have beaten two mid-major powers in Toledo and Boise State. Um, well, Arizona is, went. Arizona went three and nine yes. that year. Well, they still had the clout of two years earlier being in the Fiesta, just as Michigan okay. State went three and nine, but they had been in the playoff the year before. I think that would have Mississi- carried over a little bit. Mississi- the Mississippi State team they beat went six and seven. Michigan State went three and nine. I mean, like this is it is this is the best they could possibly do. Yeah, and right. I mean, they they kind of got screwed because yeah, Arizona, UCLA, and Michigan State all fell off, and Mississippi State did too uh, before bouncing back. Um, so I mean, yeah, like the 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 quote unquote scheduling intent was off the charts, but um, they would have still like if you just added up like record or you know their record versus top twenty five and all that, it would have been it would have been pretty tight. And by the way, the funniest part about this one four seven, there were eight points from actually doing this um, in twenty sixteen. They lost to Utah by one, UCLA by three, West Virginia by three, Boise State by one. Um, they were that close to being thirteen and zero and kind of testing this theory mm-hmm. um 
all the way around. And that would have been really interesting. And it is funny too. I feel bad. Cause I mean, they were that close that year, even if they don't finish in the top four, they're, you know, basically two touchdowns away from being undefeated and, and, you know, definitely overtaking Western Michigan for the, well, no, they wouldn't have qualified for the G five spot. Cause you have to be a conference champion. Here's um, the point of all this. Yes. That was their best shot. Still probably not good. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad because I, now that they sucked last year, uh, I saw like in, in response to all of this, I saw a lot of, you know, failed experiment kind of verbiage, uh, in response to the Gonzaga BYU rumor. Um, and I, if it's a failed experiment, it's because of 2016, uh, not because of 2017, 2017 was just him, you know, hiring a, uh, well, either BYU making a bad head coaching hire, which, you know, jury's out, I guess, but he made a terrible offensive coordinator hire. Um, in Ty Detmer, who was a, you know, a high school coach before that. Uh, and, and then they, they lost a ton of personnel from 2016 and the offense just completely fell apart. Um, that's not long-term that doesn't have to be even short-term beyond last year. But if, if we're talking about quote unquote failed experiment, it should be the scheduling thing and not just the fact that they suddenly forgot how to score points last year. That, that, that'll happen to well, you, you know, as a Missouri fan. Causation is, uh, and, right. I mean, like, is it a failed coaching search because they have such a limited pool to draw from? That is another interesting is part. It's just is it a, well, is it a failed coaching search too because you ran off the ideal candidate who never was able to establish, you know, what he wanted to do because of the restrictions right. placed on you, the universe? Like it just BYU is the question you can never really answer when you're trying <laughs> yeah. to use comparative analytics in college football because to me they're so much more different than than Notre Dame. They're so much more different than, than anybody else. Like, let's I, boil, I mean, I mean it, you boil Notre Dame down for a second, take the sheen off of the, the Catholic church and the marketing and the, and that like that NBC deal doesn't really pay a ton of money. They have an equity of history that you can't argue against because they, they are able to funnel generational fan base. That's always a funnel. A generational fan base is always going to be larger than most single schools. Okay. But mm-hmm. what do they do from a football op standpoint that's any different than Michigan or USC? Not not really anything. Right. You don't have to be Catholic to go to Notre Dame. Right. You don't have to hire a Catholic coach. You don't have to. They're just they're not committed. They're not committed like BYU is committed. Oh boy. <laughs> no, that's I mean that's another fair distinction to make. Like if this is just Sataki making a bad OC hire and now he makes a good one and everything's fine, that's one thing. If it turns out that Sataki just isn't a good head coach, then it does bring up the whole your pool of available head coaches is there tiny. Were like six guys during that search that they they they, yeah. they talk to. Like if you're gonna be a if you're gonna be a national power, you got to talk to more than six guys who. Who are only right, on the exactly. resume because of their religion. It's not going to work. Right, exactly. It's, it's, you know, talk to however many you need to talk to. But the point, yeah, the point is that th- that's like the full list of potential candidates. Mm-hmm. And, and they can't go beyond that because of the LDS requirement for head coach. So, uh, yeah, just it's tricky. And uh, I know as, a, as an administrator, as a fan, the idea of just saying, fine, we'll take our ball, we'll come back home, we'll apologize, you know, and all that, that's, that, that never sounds I fun. Have... Um, and I think depending on how you define success, they could still create a, a good living for themselves. If they're trying to be Notre Dame, they're never going to be happy. But if they're just trying to be a successful program, they can still make this work. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's, especially if Gonzaga leaves, this is absolutely something you have to think really, really, really hard about. Uh, I've covered four BYU games all on the road, 
all in various parts of my like larger quadrant of America. So like Missouri, Mississippi, Florida, Tennessee, um, those fans, when you ask them casually, they don't want, I mean, especially the fans that I would run into because they would be LDS in, you know, in the Southeastern United States, they don't necessarily have a, a proper tie to Utah. They don't want to go back to playing Utah state, Colorado state, Wyoming, and just living inside of that of, of that Rockies footprint, they don't want that. They want to. Right, they, they're going to. They have to play those teams anyway. I mean, they they want to. <laughs> what they want is impossible. You know, they they want to schedule like Notre Dame and be like, oh yeah, we're going to play the Irish and then Michigan and then Georgia and it just no, you're not going to do that. You're not. And I still, I will um, always remember. I think I've told this story on here before. Back in '07, my lone trip to Vegas was during Championship Week for basketball um, when. The Mountain West tournament was going on, and we, uh, my friend and I, you know, just casual sports fans, decided to go over to Thomas and Mac for one of the nights, and uh, and the game was BYU Wyoming, and um, like the, the, uh, there's a point to this story, but basically, like so BYU Wyoming lands some shots, BYU pulls away, BYU was the class of the Mountain West in basketball in in 07. And uh, as we're leaving, we see like a college age couple walking out in front of us, you know, cute girl, cute boy, 21 years old or whatever. Um, And uh, like as we're walking by them, uh, you know, they're they're sad and everything. The girl just stops for a second and and pauses, stops walking and just says, I hate those mother effers. Like, you know, as 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 loud as she could. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for just general rivalry purpose if the if the villain went back to the Mountain West, even if the villain uh, you know doesn't drink soda. Powder River, um, baby. Powder River, that it, it gets in you, and no matter who you are, but that that would be fun. There's a lot. There are a lot of rivalries, even without Utah. There are a lot of rivalries there that are really fun to observe, even if it would uh, you know everybody involved would be more annoyed with each other. It would still be pretty fun. Bill, before we talk about Conference USA. Let's just get some questions out of the way. What say you? Let's do it. All right. Um, we got some good ones. We got some last minute ones. We got a couple early ones. So, gosh, where do I feel like going first? I know we got it a lot. No, we do. We have a ton. Um, I'm trying my best right now as I scroll through these to not just do G5. I feel like you guys are limiting yourselves. All right. <laughs> you guys are limiting yourselves. Um, all right, here's a good one from Brian Mann, uh, a frequent question asker. Um, ask PAPN, what is more likely, Jimbo finishes third or better in the SEC West or Herm wins the Pac-12 South? Jimbo. Uh, That's the, the difference. Of, I feel like this I mean, question you know, needs a time frame. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I assumed we were talking about like 2018. Is it what is more likely or what happens first? Yeah, I read. That. I don't, I heard I don't that think Jimbo is, finishes third in the West this year. I certainly don't see Herm Edwards winning the fact. Right, I mean, right of the two, neither is like, you know greater than fifty percent. But of the two, like technically, you could go four and four and squeeze out third, uh, you know, on tiebreakers and whatnot in, in a given year. Here's how my brain um, works on this subject. I immediately, okay. I, I immediately push. Let's push the SEC thing off to the side. I think, I think of the Pac-12, and I just think how, how concrete is the Clay Hilton process right now at USC? Right or not? Okay, so therefore, the volatility of that division and the weakness of a lot of those programs right now tells me that while I have absolutely no reason to believe that Arizona State's, you know, ipsum lorem buzzword 
you know, blob <laughs> is going to do anything that's revolutionary to college football. It's sort of anyone's game after if USC trips or falters for any for any bit of time, right? Because just just based on the virtue of the programs in that division. But okay. counterpoint. Counterpoint. Uh, the division just also brought in Chip Kelly and Kevin Sumlin. Right, but it's a matter of time, right? Who has you know? I, I'm again because it did. He didn't. Brian didn't ask this year, five years, whatever. Am I that down on Jimbo that I'm thinking he could never finish third or better? Or, th- or just third. Um, yeah, I think it's very possible that he went that he that he's finishes third. The idea that Jimbo has a program that's unseating Alabama no. um, anytime soon feels preposterous. And then also, just I, I, I'm not trying to slight Florida State. I'm not trying to get into the same old crap. I, I just want to <laughs> see Jimbo manage a program that's in the SEC West for a year or two before I make any bold proclamation as to his abilities relative to the national title he won in the ACC. Okay. Maybe that sounds really crappy Birmingham talk radio. I get that, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm as uh, we laugh at Herm Edwards. We haven't even tried to qualify quant like we, whatever. But the Jimbo thing, like I have some serious reservations. Sure. Well, I mean, the reason I laugh about, Herm is I have a lot of reservations, <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, I, mine aren't even reservations. I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. That dog's walking up, right? It thinks it's a people. Um, yeah. So, I mean, of those two though, you know, I, I think getting the third in the West is still, um, more likely for AM than it is first in the, in the, in the pack 12 South. And this is, as I've always said, like just from a pure entertainment and sur- surrealness standpoint, mm-hmm. um, Herm actually being good at this would be amazing, even though it would open me up to, you know, at freezing cold takes or whatever on Twitter. Uh, it would be just spectacularly weird and fun to write about. And so it's not like, I, even though I've kind of made my position clear, like I, I wouldn't object to something that surreal happening. Just <laughs> not that we're going to get into this, but just like I wouldn't object to Josh Allen actually being good um, in the pros, but, you know, th- it's still just. I don't see it. That's, that's, that's why I scoff at it is I think this is a terrible idea. Uh, And so give me Jimbo. A&M look, something's going to happen at A&M because something always happens at A&M. All right. (laughs) Something strange. Just, okay. All right. Let's stay in, let's stay at the Pac-12 for a second. Um, Shikar Gupta uh, thoughts on Tim uh, Drevno now running backs coach at USC. Do you guys think Syracuse will be able to actually be competitive in the ACC this year? Oh, those are. I was reading those two questions together, and I was yeah, very, very so did confused. I. Okay, um, let's do backwards first or second first. Um, will Syracuse be competitive in the ACC this year? I think Syracuse will be uh, more funner. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean they've been close. The problem is is sustainability. Like two straight years, like uh, last year in 2016, they beat Virginia Tech at home. Uh, they beat Boston College. They've turned the corner, and then they just get crushed four straight times during the year this year they beat Pitt uh at the last I don't remember how that game ended but I think it was at the last second um then they beat Clemson obviously uh and then they lose they they hold steady against Miami Florida State and then they get crushed by Wake Forest Louisville and Boston College like they haven't been able to make the finish line yet they've shown competitiveness they've shown what they have to offer I mean they 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 hung with LSU last year they did almost uh, you know, they stayed within a touchdown of NC State, eight points of, of Miami, three points of Florida State, all on the road. Like, they're, they're pretty close. 
Um, but it's, it's just, they, they haven't had the depth to get all the way to the finish line. And that's the part that in theory, the longer your guys there, the more depth you build, the more program specific depth you build. So I, I would say, I'm not going to suddenly say, you know, contender or anything like that. But if we're talking about like competitive and going four and four and making bowls and all that, they're not that far away now. Um, as far as, uh, Drevno and USC, uh, it, I mean, it's a running backs coach. I'm not trying to be rude. I know he, he yeah, was. No, no, no. I don't have any. Like, whatever we think of a guy, like uh, you know, he's not. He's obviously not a head well, coach. But if if a guy, but if a guy, if a guy struggles as a head coach or a coordinator, and then he takes a smaller role, I don't really think about it. He's got a lot of experience to bring to the well, table. Well, I, I think the hire was made specifically because he was on the USC staff before, um, and right. he obviously has familiarity with the with what what helton does and what helton wants to do and the better parts of what usc can be um but this is still t martin's offense and i think i think it's just it's maybe adding a little bit of experience in that room um i've never been in the usc room uh, but i've been in a lot of offensive coordinators rooms and the best ones the most successful ones or even just the guys who are able to constantly work for year after year as an offensive coordinator at the fbs level are guys who Mm -hmm. listen and guys who create Guys (laughs) Guys who create a forum. Yeah. Um, the savants and the, and the I'm the genius in the back of the room and I don't want to listen to you guys. That's not a real thing. <laughs> and I mean, if you want to, like I have plenty of reservations about a quote unquote T Martin offense. Um, and, and we'll see exactly how that plays out. But yeah, Drevno coming back. I mean, it's fine. He's got a lot of experience for a running back, running backs coach, and he knows the school. So theoretically, I think this is probably the T Martin year and we we've been three or four years premature. Um, I guess in hindsight, based on what his, what he actually wants to do and what his aims are, you know, and I, what I say, what I mean when I say that is that we've had, his name cycle through a little bit stronger every year for head jobs, um, mainly G fives. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in Tennessee. That well, is- I would say he, he was brought up more as a wishful candidate than anything else right. in Tennessee. And, and, and I think the T is a very smart guy and that, um, you don't have to be beholden to your alma mater for much if you're successful and you don't have to, you know, it, it, look, if they take off this year, I think I think this is the year he probably yes. jumps to a power five head coaching job. Yeah, I, I my problem with um you know yeah when when they went after um um oh my god I've blocked his name out of, of my head now when Tennessee initiated man I'm struggling today yeah really um, I broke my robot Giano my god. Uh, when they went after Shiano and, and that all fizzled out and everybody, there was a big a media push, not even just like a Tennessee fan push, but a media push of why won't they even talk to T Martin? T Martin really frustrated me as an offensive coordinator this year. Um, and so, yeah, if they break out this year without Darnold, uh, without their best running back and all that, if they break out and, and they thrive like a USC offense kind of should always thrive, mm-hmm. then fine. Yeah, he's ready. But let it, let him nail this job before you we, we, th- we yearn for him to have another well, and I know there's a level of expectation there. You just said it you would thrive like a, like a USC offense should always thrive, but it's also a USC offense that, that always has the ability to do something nationally recognized, right? Like it's a good job. It's a really good job. I know your alma mater's open, but it's such a trash fire right now that you stand to, gosh, I mean, hell, we don't know anything about Pruitt at all. We don't know anything about Jeremy Pruitt as a yeah. head coach. Wait yeah. it out. Have two successful years as a offensive coordinator. I think I think it just your equity goes through the roof. 
And I should point out, like, it is an expectation to, thing, too. USC was 16th in offensive S&P Plus last year, so it's not like it was bad. But just, like, watching, I thought I, I was frustrated watching the offense because I could. it seemed like they had more to offer. Um, and, and they were kind of, you know, they were very iffy in terms of finishing drives. They seemed conservative when they, they really, when Darnold seems to be at his best, just, you know, kind of just swinging that sword. Um, and, and so it was frustrating to watch, but they weren't bad. It's, it, you know it was just that I have very, very high expectations for USC. Joe Bush asked a question that jumps back to our initial topic. There's no way they would, but if a newly G5 basketball-based program like a Gonzaga or Wichita State wanted to join FBS, how long do you think it would take for them to become a competitor? Um, so as I just looked up as we were doing the first segment, Gonzaga shuttered their football program some 70-odd years ago. Um, I think it would be probably quicker. Oof, man. I'm going to say Wichita State, okay? Um, yes. You can JUCO a little faster and you get to Texas a little faster. And if you are joining the, uh, if you're joining the Mountain West, you're going to, I'm you know, thinking off the top of my head, doing some scratch math on money. Um, you're probably going to be able to hire out coaches that have more experience in Texas. And so, there, yeah, I, yeah. It, sure. You're yes. going to oh, suck yeah. regardless. It's going to be tough, but I think <laughs> you're going to have a better shot. I think you're going to have a much better shot uh, with, Sorry, my phone's going off. Um, with with the proximity to the Kansas Yukos than you would with with um, being stuck yes. in Washington. Sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, that's there's a reason why Wichita State has openly thought you know considered bringing football back, and Gonzaga hasn't. Gonzaga would be competing in in a, a tough part of Washington with not only Boise State, not only Washington State, but then really good FCS programs in eastern Washington and to a degree central Washington. There's a lot of, of there are a lot of opportunities up there uh, for a football player and there are many football players. And so it would be really hard to carve out a niche, which is Wichita State would it would be hard to carve out a niche, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that one's far more likely. Mm-hmm. Here's one that I enjoyed. And You're going to be bad later. for 10 years regardless, though. Sorry. But, you know, <laughs> five, five, um, but probably 10. Uh, I, I liked this question. This is certainly something we've covered on the show at uh, or our friend Chris Sweat at Chief Dog 10 says, can we talk about Georgia Tech? Their lack of ability to recruit is amazing. They should be able to walk out their door and get a top 25 class in Atlanta. How long is the leash on, on, on Paul Johnson now that money is less of a factor? Are they, are they a sleeping giant, a sleeping large person? Um, I can, I can say this. We've, obviously can, we've talked about this, but go, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, I can say this. There are coaches of various backgrounds and various positions right now who talk about that job and they, how do I say this? It's, it's not like it's a fixer upper, mm-hmm. but I think the bones are, sorry. I, I haven't gone through a house renovation. I can't help but slip into that verbiage and parlance but um the bones are better than just gutting it i don't think you need to right. gut it i do think you need an administrative come to jesus all right i think you have to have the georgia institute of technology on board with being something more than let's take the georgia southern blueprint and do it at the p5 level god love the eagles but you have to aspire for something larger than that before you assume you can walk out and go into, you know, high schools as far north as Dalton and as far south as like, you know, Warner Robins and just say, well, we own this because 
the one truth about Atlanta is that nobody owns that city right now. It basically got Mark Rick fired. <laughs> right. It did. It did. Um, I mean, I, I, of all the in, of all the indignities that, that UGA boosters felt, um, I think the one that stung the most was was not so much watching Bama win national titles. It was watching Bama win national titles and then come in and pick off the premier defensive back and Clemson. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the Clemson thing, I think, was was the last straw for them because they really didn't understand uh, that, that there's a whole other podcast about the UGA mentality. But, <laughs> um, if you're tech, remember, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your state rival that's in the SEC that, that may or may not have finally figured it out. Um, if you're tech, you, you have a long road to go before you're walking into rooms and sitting sort of sitting down as an equal to, to Clemson, to Georgia, to Alabama. And by the way, Auburn is con- Auburn considers the city of Atlanta in state. If you didn't know that, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> Atlanta is disputed. It will always be disputed. It's just, there's too many sec programs that satellite that major market for anyone to ever lay down ownership. And that includes, I don't care how, how smooth Kirby gets this thing going. Like it's just too big a city to do that in. And so, um, I don't know, man. Like, I feel I, I, we've we've done the Georgia Tech thing before, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is like, I know coaches who just who sort of ask those same questions, right? Who, who like yeah. are like, damn, that should be better. Here's like, what I would do. Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 that, but it's also like shit. Like you you would just think that they would that you it would be easier to get to nine there, you know. <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, I think Georgia Tech's biggest problem is they're two different schools at once. They are the, you know, a Stanford in the Southeast to a degree. Um, well, it's, you know, more technical, but you, you get what I'm saying. And they, they like having that reputation. Right. But then on the other hand, they are in Atlanta. And even if Georgia swoops in, even if Auburn and Clemson and everybody else swoops in, they will never, the state of Georgia is a freaking boom town for, for college football talent. Uh, and so the idea that they should be getting more of it is is obviously not wrong i will always i will always defend to whatever degree like you look at uh, how tennessee recruited uh under butch jones and you look at the results and then you look at paul johnson's results which are in 10 years three ranked uh finishes two top 15 finishes uh eight bowls like and, and if they hadn't gotten a game kit well no i was gonna say if they hadn't gotten a game canceled last year they might have gotten to six wins but that's that game would have been against ucf so they wouldn't have um but they were still like you know, you can kind of see whatever you want to see here mm-hmm. in that they missed bowls two of the last three years, but they've also only missed two bowls and they've finished ranked. They've finished in the top 10. They've had these high points. Um, I will always defend Paul Johnson's resume to a certain degree, but two out of the last three years, I, I actually enjoyed just being able to put this topic out of my mind because I was pretty sure late last year that Paul Johnson was going to retire uh, just out of, in my own head. I thought he was going to retire. So I didn't have to have this kind of internal debate. Like Georgia tech has an internal debate currently. Um, and then he didn't. And so now we have to go through it all again. Could be awesome, but I love Paul Johnson, but I also understand it's probably moving on time. And, so, and and I'll I'll um I'll see segue that into this question from our friend Josh Brundage. Would you rather go drinking with Nick Saban, Paul Johnson, or PJ Fleck? Paul, Paul Johnson. Johnson. Full stop. Uh, yeah. let's, I'm gonna move. Yeah, Saban. Oh, I was gonna say Saban might loosen up, and and you could talk some serious football. That might be, or it might not happen at all. And I just don't like Jaeger and Red Bull. I'm almost forty, so PJ Fleck. Paul out. Johnson would be as engaging and entertaining 
on beer on oh, beer God. one as he would be on scotch five i'll put it that way um <laughs> paul barnett my buddy uh here in nashville asks uh over under seven wins for chad morris in his first year at arkansas under um yeah the 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 cultural shift the 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 philosophical shift from Bielema to Chad Morris you have to give him two you years know what's gonna happen uh, before you start expecting they're anything. Going, they're they're doing another teardown which Bielema sold them for like like three years was the teardown and renovation and all that stuff which okay inception inception Bielema had a point Petrino any post Petrino roster is always acidic. Okay, <laughs> but then also Bielema just couldn't figure out how to play offense in the SEC. All right, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and when he did, the one year he 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 had it all figured out was twenty fifth, fourteen, fifteen. He got the defense or offense figured yes. out. The defense they lost a ton of close games in twenty fourteen, and then the defense fell apart in twenty fifteen. Yes. Like it almost, really, it was two moving things. things. Yep. And then, uh, so yeah. here's how Chad bridges the gap. You don't win six. You oh man, do I have to pull the schedule up? I really believe this. Yes. I really believe this. Okay. Um, this is, this is the thought I'm trying to make. He is going to bridge the gap of here's another rebuild mentality. And you know, just selling that to fans by scoring points. Yes. This will be, a that point, is a very good way to distract fans. This is for a while. Point scoring offense that will make you feel warm and fuzzy. Even if you are five and seven, because you get to go out and recruit really fun, um, athletic skill position players in the next cycle in places like Dallas and Houston. And that's going to make Arkansas fans very excited. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it distracts us too, because we were like 2016 and 17, they went a combined 12 and 13, but it felt like they were about to turn the corner because they could score. Um, And they did, they got further over the hump this last year. They would have gotten even further next year if he was still there. You ready? It was, I think we just, Oh no, I know the schedule. It's crazy. It's, this is a weird schedule. You ready for this? It's a very weird schedule. I I didn't want to do this because we do it so often, but this is actually one I think it's worth breaking down. And man, there are some traps and potholes. You ready? And, And five, straight home games september 1st um in fayetteville i'll I'll delineate what is where the spring games in little rock uh in fayetteville eastern illinois at home then they go on the road to colorado state and mike bobo is looking for a job okay (laughs) no offense to csu csu is becoming a hell of a springboard program but i mean without i mean we haven't gotten to mountain west in the previews yet we'll talk about the rams at a certain point but like i want to overemphasize how much of a not given that is okay All right, uh, then they come home to North Texas. Seth Luttrell, another really good coach, another program that's, like, not going to come in and let you win by 35. All right, then you get into conference play at Auburn, at A&M, the neutral site game in Arlington, home for Alabama. They play Ole Miss and Little Rock. They play – then they're back home in Fayetteville for Tulsa. Then they get Vandy. So I guess that's a break in the rotation there. You get a bye week. And then you close with LSU and then at Mississippi state and at Missouri. It's a weird ass schedule. Yes. Um, I just, I just punched it in to see, um, into my little win prob- yeah, my little win probability machine here. Uh, their average win projection, uh, is 5.7. If they overachieve their projections by a touchdown, a full touchdown, then they'll get to seven wins. And that, I mean, some teams do that. I just do feel like, um, the turnover that he's going to have to deal with here is um, it's going to take him a little while to just to get the right pieces in the right places. So I, I figure this is, he's more likely to go under that 5.7 than over. God forbid um, I say what I'm about to say, but this might actually uh-oh. be an interesting spring game. No, 
I mean, I just want to see what they're going to do. Look, he's retrofitting here because SMU, what he did coming off of what June Jones had, this is not easy. Like, this is not that. When he stepped in at Clemson, this is not that. This is going to be a full system reboot, and I just don't think he has the personnel. He does. I'm looking at the personnel. He's got basically the entire receiving core comes back. Now, granted, uh, that includes a lot more 265 pound tight ends than he's used to. Right. But I'm saying like system wise, that's so that we can start and stop the conversation right there. Minus quarterback. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are going to become completely different wide receivers. Yeah. They have to be. Yeah. Yeah, there's talent there. I, I, I really like Jonathan Nance. Um, so, you know, there's a, they might be able to get at least back to kind of the 25 points a game level or something. It's not going to be just a we're going to gut this thing and start like we're going to be 130th in offense next year and we'll figure it out from there. It won't be that bad. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it is the system is, is going to now shift about as much as a, as a system can shift. Um, and it, yeah, you just, when that happens, sure. Lightning in the bottle happens, but let's just go ahead and give him a year or two, uh, before we start to build any expectations. Uh, Paul is a friend of mine and he's a Mississippi state fan. So I'm curious if he's asking partially because it's a, a little bit of sort of checking in on the neighbors. But I think if you're an, I think yeah. if you're an sec West fan this year, you want Arkansas early. Um, sorry, LSU, yeah. sorry, Mississippi state. Um, I think, you know what, there's, that's an interesting, that's a very, very interesting football game that, as we record this, Bill, today, March 8th, a game mm-hmm. on November 17th, Arkansas at Mississippi State, we probably have absolutely no idea. They probably absolutely have no idea what that's going to look like between Joe Moorhead and Chad Moore. I have a lot more. And that's just, fun. That's yeah, what, but just because of the returning personnel, I have way more faith in Mississippi State this year. But it is, it is oh, a no, change. No, no, they're definitely, yeah, let me clarify. Definitely the better team, without a doubt. I mean, just the quarterback position alone, yeah. I would give the edge. One, and also it's in Starkville. So totally give the edge to Mississippi State. What I'm saying by that is two new coaches, and you just have so much to go through in the next two, <laughs> in, the, in those two and a half months with you with first years. It's um, those are the games that um, they define why prognostication is kind of fool's gold. <laughs> you know, when we. By the way, I look for bill and i in this year's athlon but um you know it's it's really really hard not prognosticating though no yeah not me either <laughs> just, right, just being a journalism um okay um let's see we still have to do the conference usa stuff so we got about what 20 more minutes here let's do how many more questions do you want to do we had some good ones we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bank some of these i know um I want to bank the one our friend Austin Perry asked about who are the best HBCU coaches being overlooked for FBS jobs. Uh, that roster just kind of got shuffled around a little bit. So I want to do a little research before I touch that one. Yeah, big time. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll punt on that one for now. Uh, I can do a fast one and then we can do one more. Um, Hamilton Armit asked, will LSU, he didn't use the hashtag, so he didn't see it. Will LSU be the, the SEC's next dumpster fire? Um, I think dumpster fire would be grossly premature. This just goes bad. The only reason I picked the question is I can just say this succinctly. I cannot endorse LSU as suddenly going, you know, uh, they're a year and a half away from becoming the the challenger to Alabama they've always wanted to be in the Saban era. But what I can say is this. They've had an extensive amount of attrition for juniors entering the draft. Um, they did not recruit up to par this year. And they're going to have to address a lot of major issues immediately. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason for them. However, nowhere in that is the floor a dumpster fire. No, and I, I'm really curious about 
what you know the, he he he's so very much committed to the like seal the borders kind of thing it's louisiana louisiana stays in louisiana kind of yes. stuff um, there's a lot of talent in louisiana but if if you really are kind of hitting the, the in-state guys twice as hard your recruiting rankings are gonna fall a little bit i think the trade-off that you're willing to make is you're still recruiting at like a top 15 level but now you're getting a bunch of the guys who would kill themselves for the program and really take L, quote unquote lsu football to heart and do all the little mm-hmm. things and that's a trade especially if you're you know such a you know a gruff kind of guy you know and all that like you live you'll you'll live for that you would you would make that trade big time mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, obviously you still got to win your battles and you especially need to win your in-state battles. And there's always going to be room to, to judge him in that regard. But the simple fact that the recruiting ranking fell a little bit, it could, it was, it could have at least partially kind of been by design. Um, and, and so I'm willing to wait it out and see what that means. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that works. Not probably the antithesis of a hot take, but you know, <laughs> That's, you're not, you're not, if you're coming to us for hot takes, I, I apologize. One more. And then we go to Comfort USA. Okay. Do you want to pick it? or you want me to uh, go for it? Hmm. I didn't have one in mind. Um, a lot of you need to work on editing your questions. Brevity is the soul of wits. Well, now they have 240 characters. So, all right, here's a fun one. That and the challenge here is that we don't fall into a 30 minute death spiral on this. Okay, yeah, I, I just found one actually, but go for it. Robbie Tinsley, which three programs are the maddest that they haven't made the college football playoff yet? And of those programs, which is the furthest away from making the playoff? <sighs> um, Baylor's probably still mad. <laughs> um. They've yeah. been a little distracted. So TCU might might still be on that list too. Um, Auburn. Wait, USC. Maybe. Yeah, USC, Auburn, and. <laughs> well, I mean, Michigan State. Michigan's generally cranky about a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, but they haven't been in a position. Really. Well, it State? depends on how you want to read the question. Like, are they complaining because they barely missed, or are they complaining because their coach hasn't gotten them there? I would. All right, let's go with feel slighted. Okay. Well, then, then you don't really have an argument for Auburn. They just <laughs> UCF, baby. Um, yeah, I think Robbie. It's a it's a fun question, but you have to narrow it down a little bit. Um, I think probably your USC is. If you're USC, you're mad about what I assume a USC would be. Mad, USC fan would perceive as bias against conference merit um we're seeing that we're seeing the back 12 have an issue uh uh sustaining the attention of the of the committee all right um after that i mean i think most of the arguments that you can bring up i can say well then just win this or just do that mm-hmm. I, one of the, the nice thing about four teams is this robbie it's pretty hard to have the outrage situation more than once every couple years, right? Like one out of every four to five years, do you have a true moment where like the TCU Baylor situation happens, mm-hmm. right? We haven't had that since we really haven't had a number five since Ohio state two seasons ago, the Ohio state team that played Notre Dame in the fiesta was probably better than the, oh, that was three years ago. The Ohio state team that played Notre Dame in the fiesta probably had a better argument than the Ohio state team that got curbed by Clemson. Yeah, the there will always be that politicking, and like you know, Penn State was was really trying to push last year when they were two lost Big Ten champ and all that. Um, but if we're talking about legitimate 
especially we're talking about who like I feel got slighted. Um, I I mean, in 2014, Baylor and TCU both got slighted by the fact that you could only pick four teams. There, there really were six extremely deserving teams that year. Um, I had no problem. But Ohio state, like I don't, I was fine with with the with the TCU Baylor thing, but I I don't think you remove Ohio. I don't think that's fair to remove Ohio right, no, State. No, no. I mean, I, right, exactly. Like I was fine with all of them making it. It was yeah. just that only four could, and so that that was always going to be an issue. Um, but then otherwise, yeah, you get into more of the Penn State variety where you could very clearly say, yeah, but you lost twice. Yeah, um, and, yeah and, and so don't lose those games. And, UC- and UCF, of course, was slightly the biggest. Uh, I mean, last question, and then we'll move on quickly to, to uh, Conference USA. Where did it go? I just lost the question because I'm going to vamp for a second. Yeah, you do that fixes his problem. Why is, is... I'm going to text a bunch of Arkansas fans that I know and ask them if they're going to go to Fort Collins because if you're an Arkansas, hell, yeah, you you're, an, if you're an Arkansas fan listening to this skip your road trip to SEC town you've been to five <laughs> your ass to Fort Collins have a good time our friend Rob Robert uh, who now goes by chicken nugget inventor on Twitter at Kerba 1123 says which option would lead to a better candidate for the college football playoff from the G5, the G5 Champions League option that we've discussed, or the Bracket Buster Saturday option. Um, if we're adding any sort of reality-based like um, uh, probability into this, then Bracket Buster is so much more likely than G5 Champions League. Neither of them are actually likely because they're good ideas, so why would we think about that? Um, but it, 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 the, the Bracket Buster Saturday option would offer you a chance to beat a Power 5 team, maybe even on the road, mm-hmm. or maybe even at home, mm-hmm. uh, getting them to your place. Um, and so I would say that that's more likely. The problem with the G5 Champions League, even though it would be super competitive and awesome, is you'd still, like, they could still hold it against you that you're only beating Memphis. Um, even if like Memphis and Boise state and whoever else are really good, you didn't, you didn't beat, you know, Mississippi state. So it doesn't really count for as much. You ready? Yes. Conference USA. Cusa, Cusa, Conference Cusa, USA. Cusa, 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 Give me a cell that does not involve Lane Kiffin <laughs> or Florida Atlantic university okay. on paying attention Buying in okay. and following this conference. Get me okay. away from Lane Kiffin for a second. Oh, uh, we still have um, Butch Davis, who I managed to the entire FIU preview call Butch Davis. And then in the tweet, I called, called him freaking Butch show, Jones. Yeah. Um, so you do still have that burgeoning program. But really, I think the biggest sell, and this is not a, a good sell for like name brands, but the biggest sell for Conference USA right now is, you know, unless FAU pulls way ahead, there are a lot of really super even teams that are pretty fun uh, that have good receivers or a really good running back and maybe a returning quarterback that are just going to kind of get pointsy mm-hmm. on you uh, and play a lot of really close games. Um, problem is, that, I mean, th- it was that way last year too, and, and that didn't really generate a lot of attention. But um, let's see the best cells I can make. One of the cells is I think Marshall's going to be quite good. 
And, and, you know, as I pointed out in my preview yesterday, for me, college football is a lot more fun when Marshall fans are super chesty and, and loud. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one of the things I particularly enjoy. So I think they'll have a reason to be pretty chesty. Um, you know, one of the problems, I guess, is a couple of last year's best teams, uh, Frank, uh, Frank Wilson's UTSA and Jay Hobson's Southern Miss, they're going to both be kind of crazy up and down because uh, they lose a lot. Southern Miss loses a lot of its defense. Uh, uh, UTSA loses is a lot of the offense that already fell apart last year. Uh, and he brought in Al Borges to fix it, which hey, yo. yeah, that's a decision you can make. That is a decision you can make. And he made it. Um, UTSA then is probably still a year away from really reaping all the benefits of his recruiting because mm-hmm. right? he is, he has rec- so, like something like 30 something three-star kids, the last two classes. Um, so they're not probably going to be all that great. Southern miss is going to be great and terrible and great and terrible and end up with eight wins. Like Southern miss is want to do. Uh, but Marshall's going to be good. North Texas is going to be good. Louisiana tech could be good. Middle Tennessee should be better. Assuming they actually don't get everybody hurt this year. Um, you know, UAB will have a good defense. So, I mean, and, and if, and if I use kind of an unknown because they have recruited so well that they could all just kind of ignite all at once. Uh, so there is going to be a lot of like slight improvement or just general, like top 60 level quality, quality, top 60 or 70 level. But if you're looking for like an intention getter kind of thing, if it's not FAU, I don't know what it is. Yeah. That's really the, it was more of a challenge to you because I couldn't find anything on my own. These are the same Conference USA programs that you either know and love or ignore completely that are going to be workmanlike and scrappy. And, you know, Southern Miss is going to be a Southern at its Southern Missiest, you know? Um, yeah. I don't, Marshall will be good. I don't think Marshall will be undefeated good hiring PR firms. Um, <laughs> well, we can hope. We can hope. But uh, this is, <laughs> uh, UTSA is interesting. Um, there was an early window. Frank Wilson could have probably had a couple jobs if, if there's like maybe two losses that are wins, I would say. Right. Um, he's probably going to have to settle in for another two to three year run there. I still think he's the best recruiter. I think he's better than Lane Kiffin as a recruiter. Um, I think he's a better program builder than Lane Kiffin. It's just that Kiffin is so talented at one particular area and he's sitting in Boca right now that it's, you know, <laughs> it's just easy mode. Um, it's yeah, UTSA. Like it's, I still, it's we're just a about hard conference to get into unless you want to get into it. You know, this yeah, is this indie is, rock, right? And this is if you're watching the scoreboard in the middle of a Saturday, you're you're, you're inevitably going to find a oh hey look this game's uh, going down to the wire on stadium.com. I should run over and check. You know, yeah. Um, but in terms of getting like wrapped up in storylines, it's going to be hard. UTSA last year is they were so close to something different. We were talking about BYU and all the close games they lost in 2016. Um, you know, UTSA comes out and beats Baylor, stomps Southern and Texas state. Like you're supposed to loses by two to Southern miss loses by three to North Texas loses by seven to FIU and by five to UAB. Um, so they were a couple of touchdowns away from a legitimate, like 10 and one kind of run and probably a West division title. And then they finally kind of gave out their offense, uh, fell apart the last couple of weeks. They ended up losing by two touchdowns to Louisiana tech, but their defense was tremendous. Uh, and it should be very good again this year. Um, which means if they just, if they come up with a couple of, if Al Borges has a horse to ride, cause the one thing we know about Al Borges is if he's got a, if he's got a, a workhorse in the, in the backfield, he'll ride him, Uh, and he'll probably do a good job of it. I'm not completely sure he has has that guy they they signed a juco kid who you know occasionally a juco will come out of nowhere um what was that dude cadillac whatever uh no no not cadillac um 
Auburn had a Juco that came out of nowhere. It was like a one year wonder thing right around the, uh, Ronnie Brown time. But regardless, um, Devin Boston is Newton. Well, yeah, well him, uh, no, I was, I was going further back, but yeah, Devin Boston, if he becomes like that Juco catch fire guy and board just can ride him for 20, whatever carries a game, then maybe they're pretty good. But, uh, Oh no, you're, you just, Oh man. The one year Juco during, Oh no. I better. I'm pulling up college. I'm, I, I will not oh, let this. Uh, no. Like, yeah. We, yeah you I'm, just, you just broke the show. All right. Bill just broke the show. We have to figure out who we're, who we're both. Pulling up sports reference. So this is awful. Sorry. To Let's see. What was that? 2001? Yeah. I can see his face. Let's see. It's not Cadillac Williams. Okay. So, so specifically, it was, it was, a, it was a, a Juco transfer running back. It was Rudy Johnson. Yes! Rudy Johnson. Okay. Okay. It was 2000. Yeah. All right. So it was an undergrad at Ole Miss, and I watched him play. He was a bowling ball, wasn't he? Like, uh, yeah, he was a like beast, five dude. nine two fifteen pure, or something. <laughs> dude, that was pure Tuberville offense yep. back then. The dude could he would two back you to death. So was, Speaking of Alborn, so that was two thousand, and let's see, was Borges there in two thousand? I know he was there a couple of years later. He was there from oh four to oh seven. So never mind, that wasn't even Borges. <sighs> So his Borges' first year was the Cadillac Williams Ronnie Brown 04 year. Mm-hmm. But anyway, whatever. So we can't sell you on the Conference USA stuff. No, no co- competition, competition, fun finishes. They'll have all that, but they had all that last year, and you didn't pay attention either. All right, Bill. All right, let's wrap it up. We've got to do better on the Conference USA thing. All right. Um, I will say this. I think FIU could be fun. I think. Um, I think that's probably a program you're sleeping on. If the invective always in Vox Media for SB Nation employees is to be is to be almost said progressive. That's not what I meant. That was not Freudian either. I mean, um, to be to, to sort of inform our dear readership and listenership of the next thing, right? To be a step ahead. I do feel like there's candidates here. I obviously think Wilson is is a star in the making, but UTSA is just not supporting that at the moment, and he's got more work to do. Um, I'm, I can't sit here and tell you that Jay Hobson's the next big thing or that Southern Miss is going to be like the funnest thing to watch. Um, I really, I'd forgotten about this game until I was uh, writing the Southern Miss preview today, that crazy Louisiana tech, uh, Southern Miss game where Southern Miss in the last 90 seconds, kicks a field goal, recovers an onside kick, scores a touchdown, gets a two point conversion, forces overtime, immediately picks off Louisiana tech and then immediately throws a pick right back. So it goes to a second overtime where Southern Miss immediately throws a touchdown pass and wins that, that if you enjoy that kind of just Holy crap, college football is on crack right now. Conference USA will always have that for you. There's uh, just a vibe. Like when you get past the Lane Kiffin thing, this conference is just filled with sort of like middle-aged, comfortable dad, comfortable with his lot in life. Just sort of like FIU, fine with it. FIU is out there potentially right? ready to make noise too. But not quite yet, I don't think. But there's a lot of like, yeah, Skip Holtz, Louisiana Tech. It fits. Yep, it Nobody does. Nobody argues about that. It's fine. Jay Hobson <laughs> from Mississippi. Very much fits, yes. Fits. It's fine. There's a lot of that. We didn't talk about UAB. I, I mean, they're going to have a good defense again. I okay. don't know. Like their offense really was pretty sketchy last year. And, We're and legally uh, required to cape for UAB as they've come right. back to spit in the face of the Alabama machine. So we have to make sure that we get in our, our you know, our propaganda bill. I know. I mean, it was funny. The UAB preview was hard for me to write because um, 
Like I, I have, I, Jason doesn't care about this, but I have kind of a minimum word count in my head that I need to hit just to, so that I've given a certain amount of time and love to each team, the, my, mm-hmm. my babies. Um, and UAB, it was really hard because, I mean, we've said so many things of the same variation. It was hard for me to come up with ways to just say, my God, look what they did last year. Right. Like, and have that just be like the whole intro. Yeah. Um, but they do. They return just about everybody from a pretty sketchy offense last year. Um, they were t- they lose basically a couple of linebackers, a, a, a good cornerback, um, and that's it. So they should be solid again. Um, I they, will say this narrative, larger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of not like you. You you're getting out of the darling phase. You have right. like this is like all right. You you come back. You have the storybook moment. It's a Disney film. Now what? And now the fans have to keep showing up. Now what? But yeah, it was kind. Of, it was kind of a novelty thing, but now opponents are going to take you seriously. Fans need to keep showing up if you're going to sustain all the gains that you made by dying and being reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it is kind of an interesting, especially if you're not scoring. Like, I mean, they, they could win a lot of games by you know, like twenty to sixteen kind of stuff. But you know, that, like like we've like you said earlier in the, in this show, like it points are a good selling point and so that's not necessarily uab's game we do have a question about uab so let's go ahead and tie it in from our buddy josh okay. black uh auburn super fan so i'm sure he was screaming rudy johnson about five minutes ago uh <laughs> so uab is looking more like uh more likely than not to be getting a new stadium in birmingham based on legislation moving forward what does yes. this mean for the blazers realistically knowing how the uh conference usa may be may not be around long term mm-hmm. where's their landing spot um, I think one, Josh, don't bury the lead. This is a giant, awesome beer drunk, middle of the day, stand on the front yard, whip it out and urinate while giving the finger to so many powerful Alabama fans. Whatever UAB and Auburn fan in the state of Alabama should just stop and savor that. Uh, I'm not <laughs> trolling. I do think when you, when to go back to the origin of the story, how preposterous it was for them to try and shut down something as completely harmless to them as the UAP football program to, 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 to kill them and make them stronger. Right. And to have them come back, this is Gandalf the white buddy. And he, (laughs) he's about to jam that staff up your ass. I hope it is the prettiest, most vibrant conference USA stadium. It'll obviously be, I'm pretty sure based on the, the one, thing that they put out with the drawings that it's going to be, I know what part of Birmingham it's going to be in. It's a vibrant part of Birmingham. Um, it's a city that's done a lot to, to retrench and fortify and, and, you know, not with too, too much gentrification. Um, Birmingham's a city that doesn't get, I think enough positive attention as someone who lives in Nashville and is, you know, and is partial to Atlanta. I think Birmingham has a lot of good, I think it's, it's earned a lot of good spots and things in the last couple of years and they're doing better. And um, I wouldn't worry about the conference USA thing at all because no, they, they the are, thing. they're well positioned. I think moving forward, if you blew up all the conferences tomorrow, I think it, it, you're still a G five team with a ton of appeal because of where you sit. Yeah. And, and the thing about conference USA and potentially, uh, you know, imploding or falling apart or whatever, the thing is, it's not like those teams are all going to have to fall to FCS or anything. It's just that geographically they might get realigned. And so whatever happens in that regard, UAB is going to be fine. There's going to be something very pretty close to in equivalence to conference USA uh, in the future, no matter what. And, and they're going to be, 
uh, just fine in it. Uh, I mean, I'm embracing Troy and, and South Alabama whole hog if I'm UAB mm-hmm. because you because you yeah. are the good guys. Like, play the baby face. Like, play play up the play up the story. Right. Uh, become the team. Become the team for Alabama. I mean, here's the other thing about Birmingham too: is it becomes a, a more vibrant city and becomes a more appealing city. You get more of a transient population. It's less like you go to Bama or Auburn, like. You're going to get people who who migrate through the city for right. a period of time. UAB becomes a very nice, appealing property. Um, this is why, just to jump rails for a second to a different sport, I live in Nashville. This is why a lot of people with Southern accents have fallen in love with the Nashville Predators. It's not just because they went to the Stanley Cup last year. It's because they move here with lifelong entrenched football loyalties or basketball loyalties. So it's very hard for them to jump on the Titans, but they find something about this new city that they live in. They want, they want to feel a part of the community that they're in. Um, I think UAB can do that, especially for people who aren't necessarily a Bama or Auburn fan that, that move in, um, especially if they're in that neighborhood. It's all, it's like what I always say about Georgia state, you know, if, if you live in Atlanta, they can become your second team. Um, it's the same kind of phenomenon. And honestly, like if they do build this up and get it rolling and the American ever decides they want to expand their reach, you are in Birmingham. And that's not to me, the Oresco pitch or like what he's talked about UAB fits pretty well. Yeah. Getting out of Legion Field will and, help. And if that becomes an option, though, like you said, stay nice to South Alabama and Troy. Don't burn that bridge. Um, no. Don't just say Houston or nothing. I want to be with my kind. I mean, yeah. and I think that, but honestly, I think that's how you build a culture there and how you build a, a, an identity outside of Birmingham and in the smaller, like when you, because you, you can't just recruit Birmingham, obviously. You're going to have to go right. across the state and find kids to come into Birmingham and play for you. But but I would say, yeah, set up, set up rotational one-on-ones with Troy and South Alabama. And then find, uh, I, I think you find an SEC program to go two and one with. I know they had a two and one with Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I think um, I know they've right. had, they've offered two and ones previously before they got blown up. But I mean, it doesn't matter with who, just South Carolina, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, get a two and one with an ACC team in the southern half of their conference or any SEC program, and then just fortify the rest by playing play Alabama A and M, um, and then play. And then play Troy, play South Alabama. I mean, I think it'd be kind of a good idea to schedule um, one and ones with with a Georgia State. I don't think that that's a bad idea at all. You yeah. go to another city and show off your brand. I think that's fine, man. Uh, Bill. Yep. Look at us just sliding through a March podcast. Damn right. And we were not hurting for content. Nope. You don't want to know why? Our listeners. That's right. We appreciate we, you. We love um, you all. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38 Godfrey. He is Bill Connolly. You can reach him at SBN underscore Bill C. Uh, back uh, on our normal time this week, I didn't even tell the story about why we were recording on Thursday, but I had to leave town for 36 hours for Project X. I drove somewhere, and in packing, um, I left my podcast mic and all of the accoutrement that you need to hook it to a computer on my porch. That's why we're recording on Thursday. And it didn't rain. Nope. So that's well. I think it did, but it was under the it was under the eaves. Okay. Good crossword <laughs> puzzle word there, eaves. All right. So we'll be back on. Um, well, I mean, I say that, but God only knows. Uh, we will yeah, be we'll back see. midweek we'll be back next week. Sometime. How's that? Yep. Yep. <laughs>